present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said, from where you came. And he told him where he came and um, uh, all of that. And then he asked him, he said, uh, have you considered or have you tried, as your Bible might say, my servant Job? There is none like him. Here goes the Lord to, to talk, about, talk about Job. He's blameless, an upright man, one who fears uh, God and shuns even. Here goes Satan says, does Job fear you for nothing? I want you to put your name there. Do you fear God for nothing? Does Josephine fear God for nothing? In other words, do I fear? It's not so much of what God has done for me or what he's doing for me and how he's blessed me. Is that the only reason that I'm serving him? Is the only reason I'm serving him because he's uh, established the works of my hands? Is the only reason I'm serving him is because he's been so good to me? Is the only reason I'm serving him uh, uh, because of this? Because that's what the enemy thinks about you. The only reason you're serving God is because of what God does for you. But I come to ask you today, why are you here? If God doesn't do anything else for you, you, would you continue to serve the Lord? Would you still be here? Would you be faithful to him on Mondays? Would you be on Sundays, on Mondays, on Wednesday? Would you be faithful to him from PCS move to PCS move to go in and find you a place of worship? Amen. Because you want to serve. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Come worship with us. Enter the nomination of faith, church of the living God. 1279 Pickett Road, Leesville, Louisiana, where God is first and people are always. Welcome to the Living Your Destiny broadcast with Dr. John Barton, bringing you the Word of God with simplicity and revelation. Now, let's join Dr. Barton for today's message. Now, we taught this to our men, and uh, we showed them the, the physical side of being a watchman in the church. You know, we have our men, they're watching. They're watching what's going on. They're, they're you know, they're being that security for us. You know, when they, when they show up, they, you know, amen, that's another lesson. I have to preach Sunday's message again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Rusty. He's always watching because he's a watchman. He's watching what's going on in this side. Amen. Praise God. Where's my watchman on this side? Where about Brother Wes? He's a watchman. Brother, Brother Paul, he's, he's a watchman. They're watching me. They're watching what's going on. Amen. If somebody came running down the aisle to try to tackle me, he'd come in front. You were kind of slow with that. Yes. <laughs> you got me, Sister Georgia, in KC. I know Sister Georgia got me. Sister Georgia. <laughs> During this time, they had watchmen serving the king. Watchmen, I, when I went to Washington a couple of years ago, and uh, walking around at night is such a beautiful place to walk. And... Uh, you can see the White House. There are people walking on top of the White House in black, 24-7 security. 24, the president never goes anywhere without it. Watchmen, watchmen. See, during this time, in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about the watchmen who were the extension of the king. They were the eyes of the king because there were things the king did not see that the watchmen saw. 
There were things that the king could not hear that the watchman could hear. Come on, somebody. Because the king had to be focused on running the kingdom. And he could not be preoccupied with invaders. So the watchman had to be the eyes and the ears of the king. Come on, somebody. Well, such is the case in spiritual things. Even in this church, some of you don't realize it, but you're the eyes of this ministry. Amen. You got to look out for things that may be a threat, that may try to sabotage the anointing, that may be, try to sabotage the integrity of the house. And you've got to be the watch. What, what, do you, what does it mean to be the watch? Does it mean to come and tell me, oh, this is going on, this and that and the other. Oh, this person said this, this person did that. No, being a watchman spiritually means that you're an intercessor. There are some things that I may not even need to know if you just pray. Because your prayer and intercession will cancel those things out. Tell somebody, say, you're a watchman. Day and night we should be praying. God will show you things. Amen. Begin to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I told every director, every leader, uh, you know, that's been given an assignment over a particular department or ministry. You're the intercessor over that ministry. Pray over that. You see the enemy trying to come in to bring confusion, to bring division? You pray. You're the leader. Begin to pray. Plead the blood. Begin to rebuke confusion. Begin to cancel out every assignment. Be the watchman. So as ministries are being born, because we have more ministries to birth, with every ministry, not only do we need someone facilitating the activities of that ministry, we need people praying for that. Because you you understand that through every ministry that's here, that's even an opportunity for the enemy to attack. Because to whom much is given, much is required. I don't understand how people say I don't have time to pray. You married? You got children? You got a job? All these things going on in your life, you need to be praying all the time. Because those, amen, especially if you have children, the enemy will try to attack your children. That's another portal for him to try to attack. And even as a church, there are many ministries that are going to be birthed. It's another portal for him to try to attack. If he, don't, if he don't attack the kids' ministry, he'll attack the singles' ministry. Or he'll attack the couples' ministry. Some of the ministries have been attacked, and they're no longer going on. But we're going to get into a position of prayer. I say we're going to get into a praying position. And these ministries are going to be rebirthed in Jesus' name. But you have to be that watchman. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me give you one more thing and I'm out your way. See some of y'all yawning. God, write this down. This is so important. God positions only those people who are best suited for the job. God positions only those people who are best suited for the job. Now go ahead and add at that particular time and season. God positions only those people who are best suited for the job at that particular time and season. When you read the book of Esther, which I encourage you to, 
Esther was the person that God chose to use during a time where a nation was about to be destroyed through the plot of Haman, who was plotting against the king. He was plotting to destroy the king, and he was plotting to destroy the Jews of that nation. But Esther has such discernment to know what was going on. God had her at the right place at the right time. And she was a watchman. Although she was a queen and the, and, and the king appointed her and, and, and favored her and she eventually became his, his, his wife, amen, you have to understand that, that, that Esther, amen, had the heart of the king. Amen. And she also had the heart of the people. Amen. God can use anyone amen. that has other people's best interests in mind. But who is best suited for the job? Who is best suited to get the job done? The person who develops relationship with God. The person who is seeking God's face. Because if you're not that praying man or that praying woman, you can easily become a channel for Satan to use. Regardless of how gifted and talented you are. If you don't have that intimacy with God, you can easily be sidetracked and deceived by the enemy, and he'll use your tongue to destroy instead of build up and edify. So regardless of Esther's past, she was a poor, she came from a poor family. How in the world are you going to be queen? Look at your background. Look at where you came from. Look at who your mama and them was. But she was the perfect one for the job. Because her heart was for the king. See, when your heart is for the king, glory to God, you won't just have one night with the king. You're going to have a lifetime with the king. And through Esther's faithfulness and through her focus and through her love for the king and for her people, God used her. God used her. Amen. The power of God through her, she called everybody on the fast. And for three days they fasted against this plot of the enemy, of Haman. And God used her to save a nation. All it takes is just one man of prayer. One woman of prayer. That is passionate in prayer. That is intimate with God. And it, you can tell when people are really serious about God. It begins to flow out of them. And do you realize that just one person being that passionate, it can rub off on somebody else. And it, it can become a domino effect. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm believing for in this church. We're going to all be so passionate about God, so intimate. We're going to be, oh, my God, running to get into his place and running to get into the temple, running to worship him, and, and, and continuing that into our personal lives. Building a house of prayer. So that God can do the great things that he wants to do. And you say amen. amen. People of God, I think I need to teach something else next Tuesday on this. Because we're not through. We're not through. But pastor, I want to know what, what I need to do as far as being on a chicken frying committee. We need to get some fundraisers in here so we can get that sanctuary. Tell somebody to say, not in this house. Not in this house. We 
don't do chicken dinners. We don't do fish fries. We don't do cupcakes and cookies. We're going to do it the way God designed it. That's right. We're going to do it the right way. And ain't enough chickens in this city to help us build the sanctuary God wants us to build. But pastor, we're in a vision series. Can you show me? What's my, what's my assignment? Pray. Because we're not putting you in any position. You're not a praying person. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you want to know your assignment? Put up 2 Chronicles 7, 14 one more time. That, that, that's your assignment right there. That's your assignment right there. Because it, none of these other things will matter. That's your assignment. If you are my people, you're called by my name, humble yourself. Pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked, ugly ways. And then will I hear from heaven. See, y'all never had somebody get in your face and tell you that, huh? See, I can talk to you like that because I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. And I want God's best for you, and I want God's best for us. But we got to do what the Word says do, people. So every ministry that is born, every ministry that is developed, every person that serves, it begins with this. It begins with being a praying church. Purity, prayer, and power. Come on, stand on your feet and give God praise tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, give God praise. Come on. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We want to be that praying church. We want to be that praying church. Where miracles can, can flow and signs and wonders and the power of God can flow. I'm telling you the day is coming. People on wheel, in wheelchairs, stretchers. The doctors won't know what to do, but they're going to hear about this church called New Kingdom Ministry. <laughs> they, I'm sorry, man, but we've given up on you. We've done all we can. But there's a church here that believes in miracles. Let me call that young boy. Wait, what's his name again? That John boy? <laughs> they can call 